Up next on Episode 17 of Stack Overflow, a special developer edition. Jeff and the Stack Overflow development team discuss the development processes and decisions that go into building a public community website for programmers on IT Conversations. Hi, this is Phil Windley. Today I'm excited to bring you another great program from Stack Overflow with Joel Spolsky and Jeff Atwood here on IT Conversations. The Conversations Network is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we need your help. For a tax-deductible donation of as little as $5 per month, you can support this channel and the rest of the Conversations Network. So please visit conversationsnetwork.org to become a member and help us continue to bring our programs to the world for free. Our audio files are delivered by Limelight Networks, the high-performance content delivery network for digital media. And now, here's Stack Overflow. So we're on a call now with the development team for Stack Overflow. That means me, Jeff Atwood, Jared Dixon, and Jeff Dalgas. So this is podcast, I believe, number 17. It's technically should be 18, but Joel Spolsky is on a jet-setting international vacation all around the world, uh, so he's not available and when I posted that we wouldn't have two podcasts for two weeks, uh, one of the suggestions we got in the comments was, how about a developer podcast? And I thought that was a great idea because I remember when Jared was visiting with me in California, I had talked about actually having Jared on, the, on one of the podcast calls, but the timing didn't work out. Uh, but I think it's exciting to have a call with the people that are really doing the work because we, we know Joel doesn't really do anything, right? I'm only <laughs> kidding. And Gerald does a lot of stuff. Uh, but the, these are literally the people building the site. Uh, so that's why it's exciting to have an opportunity to give them a voice. You guys can see what we're doing and how we're doing it. So I thought we'd start by just introducing ourselves. Everybody knows me, probably, so I'm not, I'm not going to bother introducing myself. So, Jeff, you want to take it away? Introduce yourself. Your sure. Yeah, you bet. Uh, my name's Jeff, and uh, Jeff Dalgas, and I've been working with Jeff Atwood on Stack Overflow for, I was one of the late members that was added to the team, and um, I've been happy. It's been great. It's been a lot of fun. I, I got to know Jeff back in Denver, Colorado, for working to, with him through a small software development company there, and uh, got to sit through a lot of his beratement, and uh, <laughs> as a result of it... <laughs> I'm. A, I think I'm a better developer. I'm not really sure, though. So uh, we'll find out uh, when the, when we, the bugs come my way. So Jeff, you got a <laughs> lot of the the rants that I think would have yes. really become blog entries later in my life. So that's yes. Before blogging was uh, hip, <laughs> I got to hear the majority of the the rants. Yes, <laughs> as in don't touch my monitor and uh, a few of those. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that that was yeah. Denver. And I, I think the time we worked together, gosh, what years was that? Ninety I wanna say ninety six. Yeah, ninety six was when I first met you. Right. And yep. then we worked 96. together until like gosh, ninety eight or ninety nine. It's a couple right. years. Yeah. It, it was a couple good years. But it, it was a lot of fun. Long years, long years. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And uh how about you, Jared? You wanna introduce yourself to the group? Yeah. Uh my name's Jared Dixon and I've been working with Jeff now on Stack Overflow, I guess the past uh, four months now. And I got to know him back in Raleigh, North Carolina. We worked together for a large pharmaceutical organization that, that just loved overcharging people, I guess. No, not really. <laughs> but uh, I guess I've been a developer for about seven years and really enjoy the opportunity that, that, that Jeff has given me to work with him. Now, both of you guys, I think, and I've, I've written about this on my blog before, you guys kind of grew up with computers like I did. Because I remember, Jared, you telling me that one book, what was it, Computer Monsters, yeah. that you used to read and type in programs. So, I mean, at what age would you say you guys sort of started getting into computers? Like, Jared, what would you say? Oh, man. Uh, I guess, like, my parents, they, they got a, an old Apple II Plus when I was like three or four years old. So I was messing around from that early of an age, you know, with uh, basic and stuff. Just, t- you know, messing, playing around. It wasn't like, I look back at how ignorant I was. You know, just, <laughs> well, everybody. It was, a, it was a real young age. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what about you, Jeff? Uh, I remember quite, quite well um, Commodore 64 and a good friend of mine, Ethan, 
had one. And we didn't have one. We couldn't afford one as a young chap. I still barely can afford one now. But uh, <laughs> but uh, he, we used to st- sit up nights pl- uh, pounding in the basic programming and just right out of those magazines like you're referring to right. and try and get it to compile, trying to get it to run. So, and we'd get it going for a while and hit a, hit a bug or hit a break point and spend the next 12 hours trying to figure it out. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and I think that's when I, when I met you guys. I, I think I was drawn to you guys because you had that we had that shared background. We were both at an early age had been like really fascinated by computers and programming, and and I I feel like programmers who started out that way can sort of recognize each other. I don't know what it is. <laughs> there's some innate love of the craft that you have. Not that you know there's a lot of different kinds of good programmers. And I'm not don't mean to say anything negative about people who don't do it this way, but I think we can like recognize each other. <laughs> <laughs> and you, and you, you yeah. have that common bond, which is kind of fun. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about logistics. So where we are in the beta. So we've been in beta since last Thursday. So it hasn't – has it even been a week? It's been over a week now. Huh. It feels like months, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it does. Uh, but the beta, I think, is going really well. I was very pleased. I didn't know what to expect, honestly. And I think – when we came into private beta, I think I was a little scared just because you've been working on this thing for a while and, and you want to show it to people. But then on the other hand, it's like, it's like your baby, you know, and you feel like people are going to abuse it and do mean things to it and say mean things to you and all that stuff. Uh, but the response has been great. Uh, and by that, I mean, when people are exposed to the site and maybe it's just, as Jeff said, he calls this the honeymoon phase where we're sort of drawing in people that were interested in the project uh, from an early date. Uh, but I, I feel like, they're using it the way I envision people would use it, the, the way people I, w- I wanted people to use it, which to me is very gratifying. In other words, people are asking good questions for the most part. Uh, people are getting really good answers, like really quickly. Mm-hmm. And the community part of it is working really well in that the reputation system is so- mostly doing what it's supposed to be doing. The badges system is doing what it's supposed to be doing. And we've gotten tons of really positive feedback. I mean, there was an article uh, Robert Scoble wrote uh, completely on his own. I didn't contact him or anything. Very positive. Um, and a number of blog entries that we've seen from various people that are getting into Stack Overflow. And then there's the Crack Overflow, which was very amusing. <laughs> Somebody, yes, that was... Yeah, they made a logo and they started calling it Crack Overflow and, and stuff like that. So I, I think that's obviously a compliment uh, if people are comparing your site with something that's uh, addictive and, and hopefully addictive in a good way, right? So people are reading... Yeah, crack is... Broken. Yeah, people are learning yeah. stuff and seeing stuff and getting answers to their questions. So right. people have also compared it with Dig, and I, I'm ambivalent about that because on the one hand, I like Dig. Dig's okay. Uh, I feel like Dig is like the daytime television of the internet. Like, uh, does anything really good come from visiting links on Dig? I mean, what do you really learn from going to Dig? I mean, you might learn something. I'm not saying it's totally without value, but it's not like PBS, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas on Stack Overflow, I think participating in Stack Overflow, sure, it's, it's fun and it's time sync. But idea, hopefully you're learning stuff about our craft, about what we do and how we do it and how other people do it. And, and that was always sort of the goal when we started Stack Overflow was to take all the stuff I had learned uh, from all the years being on the internet and like CompuServe before that and just running my blog and seeing, okay, if a blog entry gets 200 comments, who's going to read all 200 of those comments, right? So there's certain issues of scale around the blog I was trying to address and to have a forum and a place for people to go to do things uh, like that, but in a way that's more scalable. And Stack Overflow is kind of, to me, Coding Horror 2.0. It's Coding Horror so that you guys can can be in charge of it and run it and uh, get stuff back out of it. And And to that end, another observation I want to make is that Stack Overflow is supposed to be run by you guys. And by you guys, I mean not us, the moderators, but the people participating in it. And that's one of the big reasons we have the reputation system is so that the system learns to trust you. And as it learns to trust you, it basically lets you run it. You'll be able to edit other people's stuff. That's currently the biggest feature. Uh, Maybe even delete stuff, certainly retag things, shift things around on the site, Um, you know, mark things down that are are bad, Uh, mark things up that are good, obviously with voting. And then also our spam flag. So if somebody's spamming, you can flag it and it'll get deleted. Uh, my view is if it takes us, if we have to intervene a lot in the site, me, Jeff, uh, and Jared, then the site is basically failing. It's not going to scale because we don't scale. So right. it, it very much is a community site run by the people 
participating in it. Um, so that was a very long-winded answer, but but I just want to get that out of the way because I've been very very pleased uh, with the way the beta is going uh, so far. And with that, I think I think let's go ahead and get into the questions. I don't want to take up too much time with my uh, jibba jabba. Uh, I do want to start with one question I thought was kind of funny, and this is from uh, Stefan. And I, I'm a mispronunciation. I'm the king of mispronunciation. So Stefan. I, C-I-O-B-A-C-A. I can't pronounce that. I apologize. <laughs> but I thought this was a funny question because let me just read it. So, number one, how many people stopped following Stack Overflow because Joel insisted on allowing audio-only questions in the podcast? Does he admit it was a mistake? Do you think this was a decisive case of the podcast becoming boring? Is This this is great because this is like one of those, <laughs> have you stopped, yeah. this is like, have you stopped beating your wife? Right? Question. <laughs> Ever. Yeah, ever. No, I, I yeah. love beating my wife. It's great. <laughs> and then number two, which is more directed to us, what took so long to develop it? It seems to me that the first version of such a simple site would take a week, maybe. Is it because you use Windows, which takes more time to set up as a server? Or is it the stack, which makes it more difficult to create stuff that seems easy? Or is the product really complex? Uh, so <laughs> basically, why do we uh, suck? I, I don't know. Yeah, That's a yeah. tough question. It's like, why do we suck so much? Stefan, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I think we should have hired Stefan because I think Stefan could definitely you know, could have written this yeah, like speak my... using some unknown tool that you know. Yeah. So <laughs> it's my it's my rampant rampant alcoholism <laughs> that's that's holding me back. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> could have been done a long time ago. That's right. All right. So <laughs> let's get to the uh, real questions here. Uh, the, the questions. No, let me take that back. Questions that can actually be answered. <laughs> One question that I enjoyed, and since you guys are, and just to be clear, I'm in El Cerrito, California. Uh, Jared is in North Carolina, and Jeff is in uh, Oregon. So we're in three different areas, uh, and three-hour time difference for for Jared as well. Um, And somebody asked a question about, how do you manage the planning and the teamwork when you're so far apart? And certainly using with Skype and sitting down side by side and things like that. So I wanted to comment on that a little bit and let you guys comment on that as well. I think one of the reasons this worked is because Jeff and Jared sort of have very flexible work arrangements currently. I mean, they're not going in nine to five to a traditional job. I don't think that this would work in that scenario at all. So I guess I got lucky because Jeff and Jared, in addition to being some of the best programmers I've ever worked with, happen to be kind of available in the sense that they have very flexible job schedules. Um, so I would say the number one is you have to have a really flexible schedule for that to work because, you know, people being in different time zones and, and being distributed, uh, things just don't always happen in perfect sync, like, you know, 10 in the morning or 9 in the morning when people arrive at work. It's going to happen in a more distributed fashion uh, throughout the day. So I think flexibility and schedule is really important. Uh, and also, I got to give props to Skype, which we're using Skype to record this call uh, now. And... Skype has been great. Uh, with Skype, you know, we can call each other anytime we want. There's no long-distance charge. It's right on our computer, so it's always just one click away. Um, so I, I would say Skype is in a really huge factor in, in our teamwork. Um, we also try to have at least one team meeting per week where we sort of have a day, and currently it's Wednesday, which is tomorrow, where we kind of try to be available throughout the day to just work on Stack Overflow stuff and uh, message each other and call each other at any time. Um, so we do have a little tiny bit of coordination that goes on. Uh, and then most of it, honestly, is just very ad hoc. Um, and and I, I think, again, another thing that works in our favor is that Jeff and Jared are like me and they're addicted to the computer, so they're like always on the computer. <laughs> so like they're kind of true. always available. <laughs> right. uh, so... I think there's some unique things about our situation that that make it work. But certainly, Jeff, you, you've worked from home for a while, and you work with other guys, not on Stack Overflow, but on other stuff. And what are your thoughts about working remotely? Yeah, I mean, working remotely is actually what's what landed me here in this little town of Corvallis because there's really not a whole lot of of tech around me, and I don't go in on a daily basis to work and uh, sit down at a desk and code away, even though. I do miss a lot of that. I actually miss being around uh, coworkers and such, but the physical presence is, is the one piece that I do miss. But having the Skype calls and having a, a dialogue on a regular basis really helps a lot. So the technology is so good now that I think that it's easy to do. It's easy to, to work collaboratively with the team members that are 
all throughout the United States. Well, also, Jeff, talk a little bit about you set up uh, the cruise control integration for us, which has been huge. Cause yeah. When you do a check-in, I see the email and things like that. Yeah. Well, oh, to be clear, I set it up and Jared refined it for me because, <laughs> uh, yeah, there was a few things early on. But, yeah, cruise control has been great. Um, we do have a, a nightly build – well, not nightly, and every check-in build process right now. That's right. Where, where if we – once we – find something that after we have added a little bit more awesome to it, we, uh, <laughs> we check it in and uh, it goes through a series of unit tests that we have also coded and sends us all an email with a, the comment that was made attached to that check-in. So we're all kind of able to watch each other's work as, as it, it gets checked into, into our server and it's kind of neat to watch the whole thing evolve and hopefully... I continue to add more awesome and not more crap. Right. <laughs> right. And sometimes what I'll do is, if it's a check-in I'm particularly interested in, I'll just do the diff right there. Um, mm-hmm. We use Beyond Compare. I'm still hooking up the licenses for you guys on that, the formal ones. Uh, and also Visual SVN, which gives us the integration with uh, Visual Studio. So it's, it's like a one-click operation to yeah. see the differences when somebody... When we, when we get latest, right, or... They don't call it get latest, but when you get the current list of changes, I'll sometimes diff it just right. to see what happened there. And then, Jared, what about you? Have you worked remotely before, Jared? Not really. They kind of frowned upon it, you know, at my at our previous employer. Um, they wanted warm bodies in the cubes. So, so this is your first this is time. Really, my it really is, and I can say that you know I personally loathe the nine to five. I can't stand it. Uh, so this has been kind of a wake up call that you know I want to write software from the comfort of my own home you know right in your lazy boy it's been a, exactly <laughs> oh, i love it. kick back <laughs> yeah i was very excited jared finally let me buy him a herman miller uh mira chair because he was coding in his lazy boy which he said he was quote-unquote happy with <laughs> but uh i finally talked him into it so we're looking forward to that that's another fun thing of working with jeff is the, those perks yes yeah so. <laughs> well, I, I figure I, I can't pay you guys very well, so I, I want to at least get you the best equipment. Like I've I've got them both thirty inch monitors, which and I've talked about this on my blog. Really, I'm just living the things I'm talking about on my blog. It's like having good equipment is so easy relative to how much people really cost that it's a no brainer. So thirty inch monitors. I bought uh, Jeff some hardware to upgrade his PC, uh, the chair, and, and little things like that, and of course a, real money as well. <laughs> there is some, not a lot, but some. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, I think that covers working remotely. And it's also a little bit of an experiment for me. I, I don't think I've done it to the degree that I'm doing it now. Uh, but I think flexibility is the order of the day. You have to have people that are really flexible with their schedule, with their time, and things like that for it to even remotely work um, at all. Uh, the second part of this question I thought was pretty good. It's about code ownership. Like, when you write code, like, do you own it? Um, if something has to be changed or bug fixed, do you prefer to send it to the other person? Um, you know, basically about code ownership. And I think that goes hand in hand with, with working on a team. Um, and, and I think that the way I've looked at this is now Jared did a tremendous job. And I want to give Jared a lot of credit because initially on this project, Jared pretty much did all the lifting in terms of setting things up and getting it started. Um, so Jared really laid the foundation for the project in terms of the technology and all the initial code that we wrote. And it, it, he did a great job because we're still building on that framework. Um, but I feel that everybody should be able to go in and edit any part of the code. Uh, but the question that this particular person brought up, uh, he pointed out that uh, it, it sometimes is more convenient for the last person. Like, say, some feature like Jeff did a lot of work around paging. So there's currently a bug in paging <laughs> that he's working on. So I could pick up that bug. Uh, but it's a low-priority bug. It's not, like, broken or anything. It's just a little off. Um, and it's just, I think, easier for Jeff to go in and do it because he originally wrote it. Um, but I think the core parts of the code, like certainly on our site, the core would be question, ask, and question, answer. I've gone over that code a dozen times, so I definitely know that part inside and out. So my answer would be, uh, as you get towards the edges of the code, I think it's okay to have some stuff on the edges that has semi-ownership around it, that people you know, indirectly own it uh, because they just wrote most of it. I think that's okay, but the, the closer you get into the core... Uh, the more you want to have just total shared ownership, everybody should be comfortable changing that stuff. Um, yeah. And did you guys have any reactions on that, Jared, Jeff, about who owns what? I sort of felt the same way that, you know, at first I had some things that I kind of, you know, like owned or whatever, 
But now it's, you know, willy-nilly, edit, do whatever, beat it up, change it. I, I don't have, a, you know, a, a care any longer. <laughs> right. What about you, Jeff? Complete apathy. Complete apathy on the code base. That's what it, I feel now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. I, well, if you break something, fix it. There's kind of a little thing there, <laughs> which I'm learning on <laughs> unpaging right now. So <laughs> that's part of that. But as far as, as the code ownership goes, um, there's this whole sense when you write some code that, that you really are like, that's mine. Um, there is a lot of attitudes I've seen like that. And I think where this particular project with us re- working in three different corners of the world, I've been able to detach myself from the actual code itself and think about it more of as uh, we're, you know, we're, we're building something together. We're building a, something that's pretty awesome, and I don't really care who changes my code or what it looks like in the end. In fact, I learn more from people's changes to my code than I would have ever learned from, from just trying to do it myself. Yeah, I, I think the you only know, time it gets, I think, annoying is, is when somebody changes your code and, and breaks it. In, in a way that breaks <laughs> the site. And not, this actually, I don't think this has even really happened. I mean, because everybody makes mistakes, right? So I, I think it's a question of, I think, trust with your teammates and, and basically just competency. And you guys are so good that, I mean, if, if some little thing is broken, it's not malice or incompetence. It's just yeah. an oversight like I would make. And Jeff, and I remember Jeff, I was a little annoyed actually at Jeff because he had gone and actually deleted a bunch of code that I had written. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Arr. and I was a little annoyed. But then yeah. at the end, I was like, I don't even care because I just, you know, I got the part that I needed back out of the source control and put it back in, and and it was just a trust issue at that point. It's like Jeff was trying to clean up. This is like a big refactoring we went through with the uh, implementing the first design, and I appreciate that Jeff had a ton of work to do around that, and he didn't want to deal with looking at this big blob of code I'd written, so he just, you know, essentially deleted it for the time being, and that's fine <laughs> because that was such a big yeah. unit of work that. I just went in and later added it back in. It wasn't essential or anything. So, Jared, did you have anything follow up on that? Oh, there's just since there's really no possibility of you know physical altercations. It's, there's no use getting. I'll just go in and change all your stuff. Just wait. <laughs> That's right. Awesome. That's right. Awesome. Right. Well, that that was a great question because I I do like the, talking about how the team works and I would prefer it if we actually it's impossible obviously but I really enjoyed it when Jared came out to visit to California because Jared had never been to California even and we spent at least one day working on Stack Overflow very early on. This was in the Open ID phase. Remember Jared when we were getting all the Open IDs? Oh yeah. That was fun too because we decided on Open ID and Jared had written like a ton of like login code already. Ugh. So you had to go in and like throw out all that code. <laughs> Oh, it was actually that saved. I'm sure that has saved so many headaches, even dealing with open ID. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, oh, yeah. And to be clear, uh, and maybe this is a good segue into the, the user voice stuff, because people are asking, like, how do we prioritize stuff? Um, and to me, it's all about user voice. It's like, what issues are people actually running into that they feel strongly enough to, to comment on in user voice? And I want to also say to the people that are that are putting a lot of stuff into user voice and and if you see me declining a lot of that stuff and being a little, shall we say, ruthless about declining, I, I don't mean to be rude. The reason I do that is because we have basically 3.2 people on this project, right, that are actually writing code. Uh, me, I'm the only full-time person, uh, Jeff and, and Jared, and then a designer, Jeremy, who works very, very, very part-time. Um, so we have a really limited amount of time we can look at this stuff. And I have to be realistic about what we can do. And if I decline something, it doesn't mean that we're never going to do it. It just means that I don't want to think about it for the next four weeks, right? Like, th- this is a project we're going to grow. This is one of those things where we're not building this to flip it and make some massive amount of money. I'm building it because I genuinely think it- it's something useful that belongs on the internet and that we can all own and, like, I can be proud of and Jeff and Jared can be proud of all and Joel as well can be proud of participating in this thing and building something useful for everybody. So we want to grow this. It's like gardening or farming. Um, so six months from now, you know, four months from now, we might very well go back in and implement a lot of the stuff that you're asking for. Um, but getting more specifically, now that I've got all the disclaimers about the way about me being a bastard on user voice and declining everybody's requests, um, how do we prioritize uh, fixes that we're putting in? So I think initially um, we had a set of core features that were mostly in, uh, and I think we looked at there have to be enough features for people to understand what the site is and how it works, and we're almost there. I think the only piece that's really missing at this point is rollbacks, which Jared is working on. So 
the reason that's important to be specific in, in the example that I'm using is that makes it very easy. If somebody makes an edit to your post that you don't like, rather than freaking out about, okay, somebody touched my stuff and somebody edited my thing and I don't like that, there needs to be tools in place where it's very easy, like literally one click for you to go, you know what, I don't like your edit. I'm going to roll back to the last version that I owned. Okay, because I own the post. There's still the concept of post ownership at that point. And it's totally legitimate for you to do that. And then the flip side is you should have a page where you can see edits that people have made to your stuff. And we currently don't have that, right? So these are missing pieces of the system. So I tend to prioritize those a little bit higher than X is busted or Y is busted, depending on how busticated it is. Uh, because without that feature in there, people don't really get to understand the system. So they'll be making requests and complaints that that don't reflect the final system at that point because the system isn't there. Um, so, so I want to put that caveat in is that we have to build out the missing limbs. In a previous podcast, Joel talked about how the software can be missing limbs. And I was like, well, it can, <laughs> but people will think you're a monster if you're missing limbs, right? Like they don't see the person or the thing, they see, oh, this is a monster. It's got three arms and it's missing a leg and it's disgusting, right? <laughs> yeah. You have to be able to yeah. see the outline of what it is to understand it and use it. So those are kind of requests go first. Uh, the other thing that I look at is requests that people keep opening over and over. Um, currently paging would be one of those things, <laughs> Jeff, that they're opening <laughs> Thank over you. and over. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and for a while, like the user page was just kind of busted. Like it wasn't showing the correct information on the user page of like the questions and answers that you had participated in. And I kept getting like every day there would be two or three user voice requests on that. And I, I bumped that up and, and I actually told Jared, Jared was like, we have to have this in because every day I have to, you know, deny or duplicate three requests on the same darn thing. So if I'm getting lots of requests for something, then I'll definitely bump it up. So I want to be clear that on user voice, we really do listen and I read everything that goes in there. Um, so, so do use that, and that's actually how we prioritize everything. So the more noise we hear around a feature, um, certainly the more we uh, bump it up on the list. Now, the other part of that question is, is testing. It's like, how do we test? So let's talk. And I know Jared did some great work early on basically single-handedly getting, giving us unit testing, and I want to talk about that a little bit. So our current development structure, we have, obviously, we can run the, mach- the, the solution on our local machines with local databases and all that stuff. Um, we have a development tier, which is currently hosted on the same server as beta. So the, the normal process is we would make a change, test it locally, make sure it doesn't break anything locally, uh, check it in. At this point, uh, it triggers the cruise control, which does the build on dev. So that forces an integration point at that, at, at that juncture. Uh, then we go in and sort of play with it on dev and make sure it works. And unit test run, which I'm going to come back to. And then finally, if that looks good, we deploy what's on dev to, to beta. So there's sort of a three-tier thing we do there. Not that we don't make mistakes, because we definitely do. Um, now, the unit tests that we have in are, are pretty incomplete, and I blame me for that, because I've really been pushing like new features over going back and, and adding a lot of tests for features. Uh, but I was very pleased that, that Jared set up a test project for us, and it does run on every build. So if we do something really heinous that breaks tons of stuff, um, we will see that in the unit test, and it will, f- it will block the deployment on dev. So we can't even deploy until we fix the unit tests. But Jared, did you want to talk a little bit about just setting up the unit tests, some of the decisions you made, because all that stuff? Yeah. Uh, well, at first, you know, started out with uh, Microsoft's, you know, testing... The, like the test project, but I was kind of running into issues that you know you have to in order to get MS Build to run those tests, you basically have to install like a full blown uh, Visual Studio on your server. You know that's kind of a you know a big no no. Uh, it was already you have to sort of Frankenstein up some DLLs just to get it to be able to push databases you know through MS Build. Right. Um, so I went to you know switch back out. I've had you know lots of experience with. Um, in unit, so you know I was comfortable with that, and um, I guess a lot of the stuff, if there are you know some pretty intricate business logic, like the stuff around reputation, how reputation changes happen, like we have unit tests for that, um, but in unit is you know it's it's one of the the best open source projects out there, and I can't recommend that enough. Uh, so other than that, you know hopefully. 
you know, as we get more time, as we fix you know, some of the more glaring bugs, uh, we'll, we'll be able to add tests for, like, the controllers. So right now, we're really, our unit tests only touch the models, and, you know, I guess I'm to blame for that, too. No, 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 I, that's all me, because I made that judgment call. It's like, oh, we have to plow forward. And, you know, the interesting thing to me about not having the enough unit tests, which is where we are, we have, like, ridiculously small test coverage, um, is your community ends up being your de facto unit test. Like when, when <laughs> your unit test failure is somebody <laughs> opening a ticket for you on user voice, which is very traditional, right? Um, and it would be nice right. to block, not block that, but to short circuit that and actually be able to fix the bug before people even see it. Obviously, that would be ideal. Um, but on the other hand, being able to deploy all the time and add new features without you know, doubling or however however much additional work there is to add the test. Not that we won't circle back and add this stuff in later because I definitely plan to. Um, But certainly it makes you a little more agile, I think, with responding to people's requests for features and things like that. I mean, if I had to go in and add, you know, five new unit tests for this feature, you know, would I really get it done in the same amount of time? And and again, I got to be careful here because I'm by no, I love, Testing is a very, very good thing. I just think it's a question of limited resources on a small team and where you apply them. Um, and I certainly look forward, like, Jared, where would you like to see? Give me some examples of, I can think of some examples of stuff I would like to add testing around, but give me some examples of things you would like to add unit tests around. Well, basically, like around the badges, you know, whenever certain criteria are met where you receive a new badge, you know, we should actually have a unit test that would, you know, first give the you know the the criteria to a user, and then run the badges. You know the the function that that grants badges, and see if those badges are actually granted. You know that's one area that we could we could have right. um, a lot around the messages. You know when you get new badges, or when system messages occur. Editing. You know when revisions should happen. But we do have um, a lot of our core functionality. Uh, we do. You know like creating a question and answer a new user um, we do have good unit tests there so right it's more you know the bells and whistles of the site that's where we need some more tests Jeff what about you I mean have you done a lot of unit testing on your previous projects because I know one thing you mentioned to me which I thought was very funny by the way and deserves to be repeated was that <laughs> when working with us it's like wow you guys actually know what you're doing this is <laughs> I guess you work with some unsophisticated clients. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah. It seems that this is this is really the first project I've seen where it has some structure uh, and some well-formed organization. I mean, it's a tribute to obviously the team we have. It's great working with uh, with you guys. But yeah, previous projects where I go into a corporate environment, those are like those are hardly ever thought of, at least in the places I've worked. And of course, they're not they're not developing mission critical type applications, but. Um, even it seems when they are, they're just there's a lot of weaknesses around testing. They're just, just pretty much just randomly general. typing on their keyboard and <laughs> pressing F5. And... Yeah, yeah. So it's nice to see a good framework around what we, what we have now. It's good, right? Great. Uh, so I definitely wanted to cover testing, so that's good. Uh, so let's see here. What was the biggest single technical challenge you had to overcome? This is from Michael. He's one of the biggest Stack Overflow users, actually, so I want to answer his question. Um, How did he get so much reputation? <laughs> he's asking <laughs> questions and providing good answers. It's all remember, wow. Reputation is all about other people voting your stuff up. That's right. Wow. So c- coming back to his question, w- Jared, what would you say was the biggest hurdle on, on the project so far? I'm going to have to stick with the, the build. I mean, that has that has been probably the... The most frustrating aspect, you know, just working with MS Build, trying to get, you know, certain things working on the server. You know, they work perfectly locally, but then, you know, trying to get them to work on the server that doesn't have, you know, everything installed, you know, like a, a full-blown Visual Studio installed. Right. Uh, I think that Microsoft is actually, for the next version, um, they're actually going to try to make it so that MS Build can be standalone, you know, and, and can run unit tests and can do uh, database deployments. Um, but I'd say that right now that that was that's given me the most heartache and angst is is just getting automated builds up and running correctly. Right, and and I, I actually in my previous job I would talk a lot about team system and build is a big part of team system. And I used to realize that build engineering is almost like a full time job. I mean, it's like almost depending on the size of your team, you want somebody that that is almost all they do is think about like how do we make the build 
right? Like, what should the build do? <laughs> How, where should the build servers be? Um, there's a lot of engineering that goes into the build, and it's like yeah. legitimate software engineering. It's not like dummy grunt work. It's like real software development. Yeah. Um, so I totally but, concur there. And it's so important, right? I mean, yeah. the build, what do we use every day? We check in, it goes to the build, and the build, this is like a core part of the development process. It's hugely important. Yeah, and mad props to Dalgus for like getting cruise control up and running. I mean, it was like he said something about cruise control. I was like, yeah, I thought that was like some for pay. You know, it's <laughs> like you had to buy it or something. I really, I did not even know it was like it, it was open source, and it's it's an excellent product. I mean, I I'm amazed at you know everything it can do. Like we even I could even uh, get rid of some of the MS build uh, tasks in favor of just using uh, cruise control tasks. So that was that was really nice. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, I, so I think build would be the thing you would point out as the biggest challenge. What about you, Jeff? Because you came in a little bit later. So, what would you view as the biggest challenge in working on Stack sure. Overflow? This was kind of a personal endeavor for me it, taking it on because there's a few technology stacks that I had never worked in before. One being uh, MVC, obviously, just just now kind of kind of hitting mainstream. Um, or you know, it's been around now. So we're we're on what is it? Preview three now? Yeah, they have a preview four, but it's not as official as three. So yeah, yeah. So we're currently using three. So there was that learning where uh, I was picking up the new concepts of of using models, views, and controllers, along with uh, learning Link. Um, it's really kind of my first endeavor into Link as well, and it it's kind of a new paradigm for me. It's one that I've really embraced and enjoyed getting to learn. Uh, but that all three of those t- new technologies right right out of the gate was just probably one of the more challenging but yet more rewarding experiences for me. Right. So you would say the three would be Link, MVC, and what? What's the third one? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Being awesome. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Working with losers, that would be the third one. Right. Yeah. 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 No, but I, I, I concur, and I would, my answer would be a little bit like Jeff's in that I had a, a vision of what I, I wanted the site to be, but I felt pretty strongly that I, I just was kind of fed up with the web forms model. Like I had done several apps with web forms mm. before mm-hmm. in ASP.NET, and I just felt like, I don't know, there's got to be a better way. And I've been really pleased with MVC. Uh, there was a little bit of learning curve, but I think I know it pretty well now. And I think the bigger learning curve, honestly, is around the link. I am still struggling. I think you guys have done a better job than I have. These guys will go in and I'll just write a bunch of crappy SQL and they'll go, oh, you know, you can do it in link. And they'll just like magically convert it to link. And I'll say, oh, okay, that's how you do it. Um, but it, it has been a challenge to, to convert that. And I think the principle of least resistance, like I, I know SQL very well. Um, so it's really tempting for me to just go in and do everything with SQL. But on the other hand, for really simple queries, the link is not hard. Um, so it's actually simpler to do it in link because you can just get your IntelliSense and you can just start typing. So I- I've been really pleased with our technology choices. I know there's been some criticism in some corners, like, why did you pick all this crazy experimental stuff to build Stack Overflow? Why didn't you pick proven technologies? It's like, what am I going to use, like COBOL, you know, um, punch cards? Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> for me, part of the fun of developing is, is picking things that are a little bit on the cutting edge. I mean, if we were really on the cutting edge, wouldn't be using like Scala or Ruby or something crazy like that. So I don't, I don't view these choices as really that complicated controversial i mean we're still in the microsoft stack we're still using visual studio um and it's kind of fun to be a little bit on the cutting edge um, although it can be painful right <laughs> certainly we've yeah, run into yeah. some edge conditions with with link and mvc that were a little weird but we've gotten past all of them the interesting thing to me is it seems that with this new mvc that microsoft has done a lot of work putting together with the web forms technology where you're really abstracted away from the you know from the what really takes place behind the scenes where in, in MVC you're, you're writing the nuts and bolts of it. Your URLs mean things and you're, um, you can watch the code path. There's not this magic of, of view state that just happens for you automatically. You have to really, you know, pay, pay attention to what's going on. So it's good. Right. Yeah, I agree. And I think link is fantastic. I mean, I much prefer link to any of the other object relational mappers that I've used. Um, in terms of its simplicity and being linked in the language. And MVC as well. I think MVC, once you get it, seems so logical. It's like, why aren't we always doing it this way? You know. Mm-hmm. Also, I want to comment that Guy left this comment. How are we going to stop Michael from hitting a bazillion rep points by the end of the month? I don't know. We're going to have to code in like a limiter, you know, so that he doesn't get yeah. a billion yeah. Uh, points by then. As 
make a special badge for billion? I don't know. So somebody's asking <laughs> yeah. about surprises. So things that happened that you did not anticipate. Um, and I think to me, one of the most gratifying things about Stack Overflow is it has played out fairly close to the way I hoped it would. Uh, in that people are using it for good, not evil. Uh, one thing that has surprised me is early on we talked about one of the key things about a system like this, because it's so low friction, anybody can come in and leave comments, and we don't have this huge login barrier behind 20 walls of you know iron doors that slam closed. Um, how do you deal with spam, right? So from the very first days, we were like, okay, we'll have an offensive link. Uh, we didn't know what to call it. We, we went back and forth on a couple different names, but like a flag that people apply, say, this stuff, this is evil. We might as well just call it, like, evil, right? Evil. This is evil. Yes. <laughs> and then if enough people mark something evil, um, then it would be, you know, disappear, poof, like a magical fairy dust is applied to it or whatever. Like I'm melting, like holy water is poured on it or something. And what really surprised me is that people were using, we called it offensive. I can't, what do we, Jared, what do we call it first? Like something else? Oh, uh, it's a, I can't remember. Starts, no, it was always, it, we started with offensive, but then you changed it. To something else, right? Because that was it didn't have it didn't have quite the the power of offensive. It was kind of like right fluffy, right? And what surprised me is that people are using this on things that are clearly not evil. So either our messaging is bad around what this function is for, or people just like tagging other people's stuff evil. <laughs> Which and, and and there's actually some some user unrest around this, and I think understandably so because people don't really like their stuff to be tagged evil when it's clearly not evil, right? I mean, my, my thing about the evil tag is maybe the reason offensive isn't working too well is because the system is, it, we're like in a biodome with Polly Shore. <laughs> we're too protected <laughs> from the outside world at the moment. Uh, all we have is like people that know what they're doing in here and good people. Um, so hopefully, well, not hopefully, but sadly, maybe once people come in from the outside, you'll start to see a lot of e- more evil people trying to really game the system. But that is what the function is for. I would say that is the, that has been the most surprising thing to me, is that users are willing to tag other people's stuff with offensive. Because <laughs> I would, I mean, it wouldn't right. even occur was, to me to do that, because you're supposed to downvote. There's two axes here. One is upvote, downvote, and the other is the evil axis, right? And these are very independent things. And you would think if you disagree with something or think it's stupid or dumb or you just hate that person, uh, fine, whatever, just downvote it, right? And w- another adjustment we made was downvotes used to be worth negative uh, five to a person's rep. Mm-hmm. That went down to negative two. And then finally, negative two to the receiver and negative one to you <laughs> to really discourage people from doing this just blindly, Um and downvoting people's stuff. And, and that seems to be working well. I've been pleased with the, the use of voting so far. But what about you guys? What have you found surprising? Like, Jared, what have you found surprising about the way people have used Stack Overflow? Well, I guess in, in hindsight, it really wasn't... Well, just exactly what you said. It really... But in hindsight, it wasn't surprising that people would, you know, tag other people's posts as offensive or downvote simply... But it was, it was really the users that had, you know, accrued the most reputation that were being targeted, you know, and sort of like a you know, petty competition, you know, how some users were jealous of all the rep that certain users had. Well, okay, we got to clarify a little. We, we do have to clarify a little because, okay, this is partially Leon Bambrick's fault, and I have no problem calling him out by him. <laughs> but he intentionally, and I, I know Leon, I mean, I've never met him, but I know him through his blog, and I feel like I know him, so he's kind of a friend, quote-unquote. Um, I think he was just playing with the system and trying to see what would happen if he did this? And he went around and actually downvoted other people's stuff to remove to, to try to get ahead of them in reputation as sort of a game. Uh, and I think he was also tagging people's stuff offensive. Um, and, and in a way, this is good. This is what the beta is about, right? I mean, if everybody follows all the rules and doesn't do anything weird, then it's not a very good beta. So I, I encourage this. I think this is good. But one downside of that was that I think certain people got really upset about that behavior and I think Leon should have been more clear that hey I'm I'm testing the system or whatever J- just to give some background to what you're saying there so I think there was one specific person at one specific event <laughs> that triggered <laughs> some of this and I want to put some of that blame on, on on Leon's doorstep but but go ahead right well I'm sure that you know once everything you know we go fully public that that would happen anyway. Oh, totally. You know? totally. I mean, I agree, and that's why it's good, ultimately, to have it happen. I just wish he had been more open about the background right. of what he was doing. That's all. I guess uh, another surprising 
aspect is the performance of the site. You know, I've been very pleased with. Um, I mean, granted, we don't have a lot of data, and we don't really have that many users, but you know, the the server is holding up pretty well. You know, with everything that we're doing. Right. I'm very pleased with Link. You know, the the queries that Link generates. You know, I'm Link to SQL is has been very a pleasant surprise. You know, just how well it's performing. Right. Right. We also had a question. This might answer that question. Is like you guys went with a WISA stack, Windows, IS, SQL, ASP.NET. Do you think WISA will scale? And I think actually compared to LAMP, and I think the funny thing here is Windows scales like crazy. I, I don't know why it gets a bad rap because honestly, if we had built this in PHP, I can tell you firsthand PHP is a dog for performance. I mean, there's ways to get around. I don't want to offend anybody that writes PHP, but PHP is an interpreted language. Right, I mean, you can add some stuff onto it, like bolt on these compiler things and stuff, but it is not a very high-performing stack, dude. I mean, like our stack, uh, because it's compiled and you know it's been through three iterations so far. I mean, our we have okay, so our server box is eight CPUs. I I don't think I've. <laughs> it's rare we see any spike at all, <laughs> even with all the users we have now. And granted, we have a limited set of users, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, I don't even think you can measure our load at the moment. And and we're not totally optimal either. I mean, we're doing things that I think could be further optimized. So we're very much in a a mode where we're giving up performance, and it doesn't matter. So I, I want to mm-hmm. say that, gosh, for Windows and ASP.NET, you're going to get a really high-performing stack. I think much better than the LAMP stack, actually. On on Because if you look at Facebook, and, well, granted, Facebook is a ridiculous example because they have like a billion servers, but their scaling model, and I also talked to, to Ted Zuba of uh, PressFlip, and they they use uh, Amazon's uh, EC like server cloud stuff, and they have like twelve servers to do their stuff. And we're doing everything on one server. And granted, I, I don't know that we'll ever scale to those levels, but I don't. It's going to take us a while to outgrow even this one server, I think, based on what I've seen so far. So anyway, I want to give a shout out there. What about you, Jeff? What what have you been surprised about with the way people are using the site or anything like that? Well, I've actually kind of been watching the more social aspect of the site, and this is kind of one of those endeavors into a social realm where we're hitting people that are really smart, really talented developers, but just I'm kind of I'm interested in what they're what they're asking as far as questions, what answers are giving, and and how this reputation system is being played out. Um, it's really interesting to me to see how how people will be motivated by this which i thought before that well what's the point you know badges and points it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense yeah so what but it, it as i see more and more people get into this they're really they're really motivating the use of this site and that to me is is very fascinating very interesting right well and i and i think that's great too because the reason all this stuff is there for a reason. Nothing on Stack Overflow, Overflow is there just because. Oh, I thought it'd be fun to have some stupid feature that is fun. I mean, we actually put a lot of thought into how we build the site, and, and, and Jared being involved earlier on, and Joel as well. I mean, we went through several cycles with Joel, mm-hmm. with Jared, um, and Jared, yeah. Jared and I spent what was it like two weeks just like looking at all the Q and A sites on the internet, like all all the ones we signed up yeah. for all of them. <laughs> I now consider myself. Dumber for having done that. <laughs> it's a running joke. Yeah. Like Yahoo Answers is just kind of a black hole of of stupidity. Honestly, <laughs> how do I get my baby's daddy to pay? Yeah, that's the class. <laughs> and then some email newsletter they sent out recently. Their their featured question was like, "I don't read and write too good. How do I get educated?" <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> really stressed. Yeah. So. And I think what works for us on Stack Overflow is, one, programmers. Programmers, and I know I'm preaching to the choir here, programmers are smarter than the average person, I think, because you have to be, because it's it's a really difficult field because everything goes wrong all the time. And Anyway, I, I do believe that programmers are cut from a slightly better cloth than the average person, the good programmers. And I think Joel and I, having large audiences of, of very good programmers, uh, again, that honeymoon, honeymoon phase where we, we enjoy the benefits of having a really talented audience, basically. Uh, and the site is about those people showing off how good they are and sharing that with, with the other developers so they can become better. So it's very much, to me, a, a virtuous cycle uh, that we get into here. Um, and, and hopefully that will continue. Going back to the answers thing, as, as the audience gets wider and wider, does it get dumbed down? <laughs> I don't know. Um, my hope is that Stack Overflow will attract uh, the, the really good developers who are interested in sharing 
uh, letting other developers get better through through posts and questions and answers in a very low friction way that's easy. So Alan Lee, who I used to work with at Vertigo, had a question. He's asking about the API for Stack Overflow. Um, I I think it's too early to think about APIs at the moment. Certainly RSS is huge on our feature list, and I think it's the next thing Jeff is going to work on is right. getting a feed of stuff that's coming in and your stuff and all that. So I, I think for now, when you say API, I think RSS for now. I know it's not really an API, <laughs> but I'm going to pretend like that answers the question. Uh, <laughs> then Alan asks, what, how are we dealing with mischief- mischievous? He says mischievous users, spammers, griefers, marketers, etc. So we talked earlier about the offensive link, which that's really what that's about. And that's what that's supposed to be used for. So hopefully people will use that. Also, we are going to implement a CAPTCHA. Um, that's another thing that Jeff's working on. We're going to have a jQuery JavaScript CAPTCHA, just sort of basically force whoever's sending requests to us to use JavaScript. And we're still debating the fallback path because it is possible to use Stack Overflow with JavaScript disabled. It's not a great experience, but it does work. And it's really tricky to come up with a CAPTCHA that works well for JavaScript disabled that's not annoying to use. So we're still debating that internally. So my hope is, oh, and then the third tier that I think, Jared, this is on your plate still, um, throttling. Like I I believe throttling is really central to any quote-unquote mischievous user (laughs) or evil, if you want to go evil users. Throttling is huge. If you can throttle people from doing N actions per minute, that disabuses you of like so many possible problems. So the beta is going to run, I think, for the full month of, of August. And by the time we come out of beta, I want to be hardened. I want to use the fancy security word hardened, where there's not much you can do to us, um, barring like some international distributed <laughs> services. There's always something. I'm not going to come out and say, yeah, we don't want to dare. Yeah, what, yeah I'm yeah. not daring anyone we don't to attack us because I, I don't want you to want to attack us. Uh, all I want is, is and I, I think this has come up too, is like we will not tolerate abusive users. I want to be very 100,000% clear on that. If there are members of our community that are abusive, we will ban them, we will block them. We're going to do all the things, and hopefully, again, you guys will be able to do some of this, right? Like, you're not going to have to call a moderator. You yourselves will be able to do this. One thing I've thought about, and we may have to end up doing, is I think there should be ways you can vote against a user, right? Because if you look at achievements are modeled on the Xbox 360 system. One thing you can also do on Xbox 360 is you can uh, essentially vote on a person. Like, say you're in a a multiplayer game and somebody griefs you and does a bunch of stuff, you then vote against that person. So I think we might need basically an offensive flag that you can apply to a user's account. Um, That's a little bit off in the distance, but again, the goal is for the people participating in the site to be able to run it to some pretty high degree with very minimal moderator input because moderators don't scale, but the community does. So that's, that's pretty much my thought on that. So did you guys have anything that you guys, any particular questions you wanted to get to? I know here's, here's a funny one for you, Jared. It's like, what is Jared looking at and why is it making him so happy in the picture that I posted on the blog? <laughs> yeah. That, that's my fault because well, that was, I, I told you to look majestic. I think it, the word I used was majestic. I was like, Jared, look majestic. Look like you're – yeah. <laughs> so I was taunting. Yeah, that was a, yeah, that was a great – uh, what is that? Was that called Lookout Hill or something? Lookout Point? Oh, gosh, is the name some, of that? Some point, some place in San Francisco, some tourist. Yeah, that look. was, and I was so amazed at how chilly it was there in San Francisco. Oh, dude, it is. You know, even here, almost May. Yeah, it gets really cold in San Francisco. If you ever travel to San Francisco, bring like your heavy jacket. I know you may feel ridiculous, but you'll probably need it. <laughs> and so you always have that conversation with people that are visiting. It's like bring your heavy jacket, <laughs> even though it's the middle of summer. So, Jared, any oh, but any other questions you want to get? One to? thing I wanted to, well, I wanted to just say uh, what a pleasure it's been working with the uh, ASP.NET MVC. I mean, I was so fed up with uh, the web forms, you know, having to deal with that. I mean, it, it, some of my last projects that I've been working on, I was actually writing, you know, IHTTP handlers, you know, just to render out the straight uh, HTML, just because so I wouldn't have to deal with. You know all the stuff that goes along with web forms, and it's been such a pleasure. I guess is it Phil Hacks? Is that the he's the project lead on that? He's one of you know it's like any Microsoft one project. Of, there's like twenty so, people involved. 
big shout out to him and his team. Uh, yeah. So that's it's it's been wonderful. I really enjoy, especially the changes that they made from preview two to three. Right. Uh, like the, the action controller actions returning uh, an action result. That's been great, and it's been so great for doing Ajax. So now our controller actions, they can just easily render JSON back to the browser. They don't have to go through like you know any intermediary steps or intermediate steps. Um, right. So just that's what I wanted to say. I've been hoping we get a question about MVC. Yeah. I just want to say it's great. M- I agree completely. MVC map maps much better to my mental model of how I want web stuff to work by far. It's not even close. I mean, to me, it makes web form totally obsolete to the point that I don't want to touch it anymore. So, right. What about you, Jeff? Any, yeah, the, any final well, then, questions you want to get to? Just to kind of put a step on top of that, uh, RSS feeds are going to be basically just another view on top of the on the models and the views and the controllers. So that's going to be an easy task because of MVC. Oh, Jeff, you always say it's going to be easy. You always say that. it's beautiful. It's simple. <laughs> just simple. <Yes. laughs> so, Jeff, any any last questions you want to get to, Jeff? Anything that we didn't cover or? comments you want to make uh let's see um no i'm just i'm really pleased to see the the developer turnout for this and continue to want to you know want to have them keep on keeping on uh, there's a lot of questions here i i really i really wanted to know the answer to and i never never <laughs> asked it and so i'm learning a lot of things just by reading the questions here it's been great right uh one question that I thought was fun uh, kind of funny is is like how how do we come to a consensus on decisions is it a, is it a democracy <laughs> and these guys are laughing because they know it's it's i pretend that it's a democracy <laughs> right i pretend yeah, to right. listen to their feelings and thoughts and then i overrule them with you know impunity like, oh this is yeah. how we will do- and then i go i go off and cry yeah. i go sob in the corner yeah it is probably <laughs> no. a little like i know i apologize but i i do i can be convinced I, I think it's the whole strong opinions weekly held thing it's like i pick a direction like no we're gonna go this way but you can really you can talk me out of it, but you have to like convince me. You have to convince me. You have to talk me out of it and make me believe. Talk, you have to make baby. you have to make me believe what you're saying is the better choice. Uh, but mm-hmm. it, it does happen. I don't want to sound like a total jerk or anything. <laughs> no, it, to, to no, have to uh, to have to justify why you're making a choice, you know, verbally or technically or whatever is actually a really good exercise to go through if people don't challenge exactly. you then why why are you doing what you're doing oh yeah so. right and, and and i enjoy i do want people to challenge me. i mean i i enjoy working with people that are like you know jeff i think this is really the wrong way i think this is not a good solution and like step up a little bit and pick a different direction and defend it i i think it's great and uh, i i like that style of communication and i think obviously i tend to pick people that are comfortable with that style of interaction uh, over time. And then, so uh, as we get to closer to the end of the podcast here, I, I just want to have a final note, say how I, I know people joke that it's called crack overflow. It's been really addictive for me to like work on the project now. Like as people start to use it more, like I want to work on it more. Like I feel like as you put changes into production and stuff, you're, you're impacting all the people that are using it and you're like satisfying their requests and like making it better and growing a, an improved site and it's actually sort of hurt my other my coding horror blog a little because <laughs> I'm actually really enjoying working on Stack Overflow with, with Jeff and Jared. Like I am a little bit addicted. If you guys are addicted to using it, I'm kind of addicted to building it a little bit. <laughs> uh, and and that's that's really all I had to say about that. Um, <laughs> so any final comments, you two guys, before we cut off the podcast here? No. Huh? No. Oh, okay. I hope that we, hope we can continue on. Oh, you know, oh can, that's right. I hope we can really Speaking deliver. of continuing on, one of my goals, people ask about money and stuff. Um, one of my big goals for money on this project is I would love to make enough of Stack Overflow to pay Jeff and Jared <laughs> so that they could legitimately work on this as a job. I would love that. So when you look at this site and think, you know, oh, Jeff's going to get a gold-plated Hummer. I mean, may, I might get a gold-plated Hummer. <laughs> I don't <laughs> Uh, but really, what I would love to do more than anything else is be able to pay Jeff and Jared to work on the site uh, part-time, if not full-time. I would love that. That would be wonderful. That's one of my major goals is to, for this thing to be sustainable and to grow it and to have people that are attached to it that love it and care for it and are into the community, right, and, and part of the community as well. Um, so that's one of my long-term goals with the site. I would like to say thanks to Jared and Jeff for participating. I know it puts them on the spot a little bit, but hopefully you guys enjoyed this. People asked for it. Yeah, man. Uh, 
and I, I know I enjoyed it. And, you know, maybe we'll do this again sometime in the future. Was yeah. it good for you, Jeff? It, it was very good. So thanks to everybody for listening. <laughs> okay. I do want to cover um, – we do have a, a, a wiki of transcriptions of these podcasts. And if you participate in the wiki and do like say one or two minutes of transcription, I will bump you in the beta list to tonight. Because <laughs> right now we have a backlog of like 3,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sending out like 150 per night. So if you want to get in on the beta like today or tomorrow or whenever you're hearing this, do a little bit of transcription work and then email me directly. And that's at stackoverflow.fogbugs.com. And then for future podcasts, as we always say, uh, email your audio questions to podcast at stackoverflow.com if you want us to answer them in the future. And I think that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And thanks, Jeff and Jared, for doing this. Hey, thank you guys. All right. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to Stack Overflow with Jeff Atwood and Joel Spolsky. The Conversations Network is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we need your help. For a tax-deductible donation of as little as $5 per month, you can support this channel and the rest of the Conversations Network. So please visit conversationsnetwork.org to become a member and help us continue to bring our programs to the world for free. Our audio files are delivered by Limelight Networks, the high-performance content delivery network for digital media. The post-production audio engineer for this program was Joel Spolsky. Our website editor was Jeff Atwood. The series producer is Jeff Atwood. This is Phil Windley. I hope you'll join me next time for another great presentation from Stack Overflow here on IT Conversations.